0: And those of you uh, remaining in the sanctuary, turn with me to the book of Ephesians. The book of Ephesians, chapter 1. I began a teaching on prayer last week. I'm going to continue that teaching today. So, this will be prayer two. I told you last week that without prayer the church would be dead in the water. How many of you know what happens to a boat or a ship out in the ocean that loses power? I have a sailor here, he can tell you, a former sailor. I don't care how big it is eventually it will succumb to the waves if if it has no power. That's why when even Navy ships lose power, they always have another ship close enough to get to them. And if they cannot refire the power plant, they tow it. Is that not right, Mike? And The church is the same way. We are in an ocean here, if you will. And without prayer, we are dead in the water and subject to sinking. So I want you to understand that and know that prayer is that important in our life. Every Christian, every Christian is mandated by god himself to pray how many of you know what a mandate is it's a it in other words it's not an option it's a mandate and so this is what we need to know so before we get into the word one more time let's just pray father i ask for your anointing now that i may preach the word of god to your people and lord that we all may leave here with a better understanding Of what you expect from us. And I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. The first, I want to read uh, two prayers of Paul that were in Scripture. One is in Ephesians chapter 1, verses 15 through 23. It says, Beginning in verse 15, "'Therefore I also, after I heard of your faith "'in the Lord Jesus Christ and your love for all the saints, "'do not cease to give thanks for you, "'making mention of you in my prayers, "'that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, "'the Father of glory, may give to you "'the spirit of wisdom and of revelation "'and in the knowledge of him, "'the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, "'that you may know what is the hope of of his calling, "'what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance "'in you, the saints.'" And what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe, according to the working of his mighty power, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in heavenly places. He's far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in that which is to come. And he put all things under the feet of Jesus and gave him to be head over... All things to the church which is his body the fullness of him who fills all in all go to Ephesians chapter 3 reading verses 14 through 21 for this reason or cause I bow my knee to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named that he would grant you according to the riches of His glory, to be strengthened with might through His Spirit in your inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and length and depth and height, to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God that's it I guess all the fullness no yeah of God that's correct is that the end of the prayer no it is not now to him who is able to uh, to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that he works in us to him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever and everybody says What we see here is Paul talking to believers. For those of you that don't know, Ephesians is considered the book of maturity in the New Testament. How many has ever heard that before? Ephesians is the book of maturity. And in the first prayer, what we see Paul praying for basically is revelation or enlightenment and in the second prayer we see him praying for realization or enablement these two prayers were placed in scripture by the Holy Spirit how many heard what I just said so they were prayed by Paul and then they were placed in the Holy Word of God for a reason so that you and I could read and study Uh, what we are supposed to be praying for and what we are supposed to realize in our lives. How many of you know that there's a lot of wasted prayers prayed by Christians? I want to tell you something, and it's very controversial. I don't want to offend anyone in here, but I want you to understand something. If your prayer is not prayed to the Father in the name of Jesus, it is a wasted prayer. How many heard what I just said? Prayers to any other entity is a waste of time. Why, Pastor Ron? Because they have no power to answer your prayer. We are to pray, and we were given the supreme prayer of Jesus Christ, our Father. How many prayed the Our Father prayer, and how many times have you prayed it? And so understand and know that uh, that's who we are supposed to be praying to. Amen? Now, how many got that? So, uh, that's, that's just for your revelation today. Now, we, we touched briefly on these passages of Scripture last week, but I want to examine them more closely today because this Scripture text is basic to the implementation of all spiritual truth in the life of every single believer. You need what I'm telling you today. These prayers are so important for us to understand that uh, God made them eternal prayers. How did he do that, Pastor Ron? He put them in his word. And he said, heaven and earth will pass away, but my word will never pass away. How many understands that now? So uh, these are eternal prayers. Uh, You and I should study them and study them and study them some more. I love the book of Ephesians. I've studied it several times through, verse by verse, uh, uh, myself. And every time I do, by the way, I get something else new out of it. It just surprises me that uh, you know, I, could, I can do them over and over. I love studying the epistles of Paul. And I've went through every one of them time and time again And every single time I do, I learn something new. Only God's Word can do that. Amen? And so this is what we need to understand and we need to know. The the entire book of Ephesians is essential to you because it reveals several basic principles. Ephesians unveils the mystery of the church. How many's heard that term before? You know, it, no other epistle does it like Ephesians does, and what that means is, is, that God's secret intention for the church is revealed in this book. So it's not really a secret, is it? Why isn't it a secret, Pastor Ron? You know, I've went to a church that talked about all these mysteries and all that stuff. You know, because God gave us enlightenment. He placed within us the Holy Spirit the moment that we were born again. And with the aid of the Holy Spirit, we can understand all the mysteries of God. Everybody say, that's what God said. With God's help, that's what we need. Somebody say, amen. This uh, God expects His body to express Him in the earth. Is there any better way to put it than that? And so uh, if we understand and know this, and how is he going to do this, Pastor Ron? Well, first and foremost, how many of you know that Paul was a Jew? How many, i am give you a question. How many of you knew that all 12 of the disciples of Christ were Jews? Can I see your hand if you knew that? How many of you knew that Jesus was a Jew? How many of you know that the, that the first or the original church was predominantly Jewish for 200 years? Amen. Oh, I didn't know that, Pastor Ron. Yeah. You know why you don't know that? Because you, you're Gentiles and you haven't been taught that. Why is that important? Because God expected you and I as Gentiles to come together in oneness with believing Jews and build his body. And so understand that. And How many of you know that a lot of churches for a lot of years were anti-Semitic? You know, isn't that kind of dumb? I I mean, it's stupid. Jesus was a Jew and all the first disciples were... And by the way, the disciples, the 12 disciples that... That Jesus chose, the Bible says that their names are going to be on the 12 pillars of heaven. How many are listening? And so, let me, let me just caution you. If there's anything, anything in you that's anti-Semitic, get rid of it. Amen? God has two covenant people in the earth. Jews and Christians. Christians practicing Jews and Christians. And he has a plan for them, too. And he says he's going to work it out in the end. And in fact, he tells us in, in the book of Romans, the epitome of all the epistles, that at some point in time, in the last days, the entire Jewish nation will be saved. Amen. Somebody say praise God. I'm I'm giving you a little history this morning to go along with this message because it's necessary. Paul prayed and he began his prayer, first of all, with praise to God. And his praise was based uh, in the fact that he was redeemed. Paul saw himself as the least of all the apostles. He saw himself as that because he had persecuted the church in ignorance. And because of that, he always saw himself as the least of the apostles. And so that's what I believe that that means. Then he goes on to pray for revelation and for realization. And then he begins to explain in the book of Ephesians the position of the Christian. Everybody say, the position of the Christian. You have a position in God that you need to be aware of. Why? Because God desires to equip, empower, and mature you so that you can extend Christ's victory over the whole face of the earth. Are you with me today? That, how many of you know that's the church's job? Did he say, occupy till I come? Right? Did he say that? Or did he say, warm up a pew seat till I come? Are you with me this morning? What does occupied mean? What does an occupying force do? Everybody say an occupying force force is supposed to be in charge. In fact, Jesus himself said that he wanted to build a church that even the gates of hell could not prevail against. All of the forces of hell when we come together and we are united in one mind and one purpose, should tremble. But the question is, how long has it been since the westernized church has made the devil tremble? And if we're not making him tremble, why? And I'm going to tell you, it's because we lack power. We lack the power that God wanted us to have in the first place. And we lack that power because we are prayerless. Oh, Pastor Ron, I pray. I say grace over my food, you know. I say now I lay me down to sleep at night, you know. Recent studies prove that it... Evangelical, fundamental, and full gospel Christians are spending less time in prayer now than ever in the history of the church. What's the problem? You know what I often hear? Well, I'm too busy. I want you to look at me right now and, and say, Pastor Ron, you have my undivided attention. If you're too busy for God, then you're too busy. Amen. How many heard what I just said? You know. This is important, and we need to understand what God is saying to us in 2010. We had it confirmed to us from three sources that this is what God wanted me to start off uh, teaching you this year. How many of you know that when it's uh, it's confirmed by three sources, you have to accept it? In fact, God said, let it be established. Amen. Amen? And so understand and know what I'm talking about to you. Paul then explains the practice that is expected of every Christian. And I'm going to tell you what they are. Number one is unity in the church. Say that with me. Number two is holiness in our lives. Say it. In our lives. Number three, Paul describes the responsibilities we have at work and at home. Everybody say, I have responsibilities. I have responsibilities. And number four, he explains to us our conduct In the midst of conflict and what it's supposed to be. How many of you can now see that this is a very important passage of Scripture? There are 35 references to Christ in the short book of Ephesians. That should leave no doubt in our mind who is the central figure in our life. Amen? And so, I, I'm bringing out these things just so you know. Uh, we have, in, in, in these two prayers, we have a sequence of progression. Of our, it's, uh, Paul, what he does is, is he builds one principle on another. You know, the great uh, prophet Isaiah, he, he, uh, in the Old Testament, he actually did the same thing. He talked about uh, a precept upon precept and line upon line. How many of you re- ever remember reading that? You know. And so God, God is a God of order. And he expects us to live orderly lives. Amen? And it's not our order that counts. It's His. Is this too blunt for some of you today? Well, then smile at me. You're frowning at me. The ultimate end of Paul's prayers is that if you will do everything that God has told you to do, you will bring glory to Him. Amen? Isn't it God's glory that we should be concerned about and not our own? Amen? And so just by the, you and I, the goal of every Christian, if you want a simple goal, an all-encompassing goal, is I should bring glory to God. I'll tell you a good place to write that. Write it out in your own handwriting and put it on a refrigerator. Some of you got that. You know. Why, Pastor Ryan, because you visit it several times a day just like I do. Somebody say amen. You know. My question today. Is this, when is the last time that God's church prayed the way that Paul told us we should pray? Is, is that a fair question? Some scholars, you've heard me use this analogy before, so bear with me, but some of you have, some of you haven't. Some scholars have likened Ephesians to the ignition in your car. How many of you know what I mean by that? Your, you know, your ignition switch. Uh, when you go to start your car, you have to turn on the ignition, right? Right? Christians need to understand that prayer is our ignition. In fact, we shouldn't do anything without consulting with God first. How many heard what I just said? 100% of the time, whatever you do, you should be talking to God about it. And I'll tell you this, sometimes he'll tell you not to do it. So this is very, very important. In in the first chapter of Ephesians, uh, 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 you know, if you'll read before the prayer, actually, it actually described the power plant. All Christians are blessed with spiritual blessings when they accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior of their life. Notice, once again, I said Lord and Savior, right? Right? So understand and know what I'm talking about here. If uh, When you receive him as Lord and Savior, you have placed within you by the power of the Holy Spirit, the, actually the power of God. Paul said the same power that raised Christ from the dead. How many of you know that had to be an awesome power? right why pastor ron hadn't been done before you know any other god that died for uh, their people and was raised Mm-mm. this is what we need to understand and we need to know that later on in the book of ephesians god gives us a road map uh, So basically what we can do is is we can say God is saying to us, here's the vehicle, it's fueled and it's ready to go, and here is where you are supposed to go with it. I hope that this entices every single one of you to do an in-depth study of the book of Ephesians. How many of you know that you can know all you want to know about an automobile? Of course, today, it'd be impossible to know everything because they hide stuff. I mean, just try to do something as simple as find a fuse, you know. You can know everything about an automobile. You can know how it works. You can even know where to go but you're not going anywhere until you put the key in the ignition and turn it on. Unfortunately, many in the church today never turn the ignition on because they have forgotten that prayer is the key ingredient or the ignition. Look at someone and say, God has given me a vehicle. He even filled my gas tank. He gave me a map. He told me what the race requires. So it's time for you and me to start our engines. I can't be more plain than that. Paul was a prayer warrior. Paul's prayer life probably exceeded any other man that's ever lived on planet earth. Because he prayed continually. We have that as a witness and the Holy Spirit said so. This is how he was able to accomplish what he did. God used Paul to write half of the New Testament. Everybody say half. How many of you know that makes him special? Now, he used Paul to do that because Paul was surrendered to him. 100%. And Paul sought his direction every time for everything after being saved. You know, Paul was a self-willed, prideful person before Christ met him on the Damascus Road. But when Jesus knocked him off that donkey, there's an old saying that, you know, he knocked a jackass off the jackass, you know. Oh, come on. That's what Paul thought about himself. He blinded him and then told him, said, go over there and see that guy you were coming here to kill. And then God told the prophet, he said, Paul's coming. I want you to anoint his eyes and pray for him so that he'll receive his sight back. That guy says, Lord, do you know what you're doing? He's coming here to kill me, you know. And God said, don't worry about it. I've taken care of it. (laughs) Amen. Amen. That's Ron Harmon paraphrase, but that's what Scripture says. (laughs) Paul never looked back. And he never took another step on his own from that day forward. Are you with me this morning? He was a prayer warrior. He accomplished what he did because he never forgot to communicate with God. How many times are you going to say it as many times as it needs? In Paul's prayer for revelation and enlightenment, he was asking that you and I would understand our power. Oh, Pastor Ron, I don't have any power. Then the Holy Spirit was wrong. If you don't have any power, it's because you're not doing what you need to do. It's not because it's not available to you. Somebody say amen. Paul said, you need to understand, you need the spirit of revelation, you need the spirit of knowledge, and you need the spirit of understanding. Well, aren't they all the same thing, Pastor Ron? No. One adds to the other. He prayed like this so that his flock... His church at Ephesus would understand what their inheritance was and what their resource, the resources that were available to them. You guys know me as a word preacher. Amen? And I often take time to, to, to divide the word, to, to break it down, to make it easy to understand so that you will have the power and the resources necessary to get you through the problems that are in your life as well. And see, that's what God uses pastors for, if if they're a man of God. And then Paul prayed for enablement. What he was praying is that you and I would understand the full measure of God's fullness in us. In other words, he didn't leave anything out. Well, Pastor Ron, that's easy for you to say. You're a pastor. How many of you believe that God gave me anything more than he gave you? That he made anything more available to me than he did you? I may have a different calling on my life. And he enables me to fulfill that calling. But in the overall scope of things, the same thing that is available to me is available to you. Paul prayed that Christians would do the things that the power of God placed within them enabled them to do and that's the big difference in Christians today There, a a minority of Christians are doing what God's power enables them to do and that's why the church is not farther along than we should be right now somebody say amen the first part of Paul's prayer for enablement uh, he made a petition all of you know how to make a petition, right? That's asking for something. Some, somebody say amen. amen. How many of you know that you and I are not able to do anything apart from Jesus Christ? Is that what Scripture says? Does, he not, does Scripture not say He is the vine and we are the branches? Right? And He said, apart from me, you can do nothing. Right? Somebody say nothing. You southerners say nothing. We cut words off down south. We say them faster. God wants all of us at the place of maximum power output. Amen? Amen? So let's understand that and let's know uh, what God is saying to us. Uh, 2 th- Corinthians chapter 3, verse 5 says that you and I are not sufficient of ourselves to think of anything as being from us, ourselves. Right? But that our sufficiency is from God. What's that mean, Pastor Ron? It means if you'll let me paraphrase it, we are able and sufficient in the ableness and sufficiency of Christ. Amen? Wave at me if you're getting anything out of this. Then Paul, it's a little bit different. Paul made a plea. But he was pleading with his flock to get turned on for Jesus. That's what I'm pleading with you today in this message. Get turned on for Jesus. Use your God-giving power to do what God has called you to do. And then Paul was a typical pastor. (laughs) He prayed, he said, God, make them do it. I understand that prayer. Prayed it several times myself. (laughs) Paul was asking that the power within the church or the congregation would be activated. Why? So that they could bring glory to Christ their head. Do you want to bring glory to Christ your head? Is that what motivates you? Or do you get up every morning wondering about what you're going to do today? What you're going to get out of life? If you do, that makes you a very immature person because that's the way a child thinks. How many has children and they've came to you and said, oh, mom, oh, dad, I'm bored. course, none of you have ever said that, you know. But. How many of you know boredom is a choice? How many heard what I just said? If you're bored, get busy doing something for Jesus and you won't be bored very long. In fact, you will be rewarded and then you'll probably be attacked. but you won't be bored. He, Paul went on to say, he said, for this reason, he was, saying, he was telling you why you can pray the way that he prayed. He was telling you that if you are born again, you are a part of the church and you belong to the dispensation of grace. You belong to God And God's grace and mercy has been extended to you. And because of that, all of the power of heaven is available to you. That's what he was saying. That was as emphatic as I could make it. Scripture says, in whom you also are being built together for a habitation of God in the Spirit. You are His building. Everybody say, I am His building. Isn't that good? How many of you want to be a habitation for God? Amen? I believe that scripture actually says habitation. It means the same thing. There is power and resources available to you that you have never even tapped into yet. Amen. How do you know that, Pastor Ron? Because this church is not full yet. We're not having two services on Sunday morning yet. Oh, that's your job, Pastor Ron. Oh, is it? Sheep beget sheep. Not the shepherd. It's my job, it's your job to go get them. It's my job to teach them and make them what God wants them to be. Amen. Amen. Amen? How many understood that? And don't leave here today like someone did one time when I was preaching along these lines. He said, I didn't come to church to be hollered at today. I said, well, I'm sorry you feel that way, brother. But I have to preach what God has laid on my heart. Somebody say praise God. All of Paul's prayers were predicated on the indwelling presence of God with the believer. And it is that heavenly power that enables you and I to be victorious over what? He said, over all the power of the enemy. Over what? Everybody say all. All. Say it again. Now say "All." all. Means all. You believe you needed to hear this today? Say amen. Amen. What Paul was saying is is that Jesus, through the Holy Spirit, actually dwells in your heart. And he's there to give you strength and might through the Holy Spirit. Everybody say strength Strength. And and might. Amen. He come to make every one of you a spiritual Samson. That's what it amounts to. How many of you know that Samson, as long as he was walking with God, and they couldn't do anything to him. I mean, they sent a thousand soldiers out to kill him. That was their mistake. They cornered him. He didn't even have a weapon. But there was a dead jackass slaying there. And he picked the jawbone of that ass up. That's what scripture says. And they come against him with sword and shield. And using the jawbone of an ass, he slew every one of them. I don't think that's proper English, but that'll do. Amen. How many, how many are listening to me? Was it because that was some uh, special jawbone? No, it was because Samson was doing what God had called him to do. But we know the story of Samson. He wasn't always on top, he disobeyed God, he got into the flesh. He decided that what he wanted and needed was more important than what God wanted and needed. And then what happened? He was easily captured. Everybody say easily captured. They put his eyes out. And then they tied him to the treadmill. And they made him tread... Used the treadmill like an oxen. They made a beast of burden out of him. But old Samson wasn't completely gone. He wasn't completely out of his mind. He knew that he'd sinned against God and he said, God, I know that I've brought reproach upon you. But if you will let me feel your power one more time. I'll demonstrate it to these heathens. (laughs) Amen? Amen. I'm sorry. And I'm ready to go if you'll have me. That's basically what he was telling God. And God let him feel power once again. He broke away from that treadmill and he went over to the main pillar of the temple. And they were all in there making sport of him and mocking him and his God. Are you listening to me today? And what did he do? The Bible says he grabbed a hold of the main pillar of the temple and pulled it down. Yes, he died in the process but I'll assure you he brought more glory to God in his death because the Bible says everybody in that temple, every heathen that was mocking him and mocking Almighty God died with him. Amen. Amen. He went out a man of honor. How many of you want to go out a man of honor or a woman of honor? Understand and know What God is saying to you today he's longing to embrace some of you right now Romans chapter 8 verse 15 says for you did not receive a spirit of bondage or fear you received the spirit of adoption everybody say adoption by which you can cry out Abba father everybody say Abba Father. If you don't know what that means, that means that that, that's the most intimate terms we can talk to God. It's the same as your children calling you daddy. Are you listening to me? Galatians chapter 4 verse 6 says, because you are children, God sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts allowing you to cry out, Abba. Father. There it is again. Everybody says Scripture says that from two or three witnesses it is to be established in my life. When you pray, you pray as a child of God. That is the assurance that you have. You can bring your petitions to God and He will listen to them every single time. You're not coming as an outsider. You're coming as family. Somebody say praise the Lord. Vine's Dictionary explains the term Abba, Father. Listen to this. Abba is the word framed by infants and betokens unreasoning trust. In other words, You don't have to figure it out just trust does a little child have to figure it out my girls we when we were young and our girls were growing up we lived in another home and we had an upstairs and their rooms were upstairs and they used to come down those steps and they'd get about halfway down and if the door was open and i was standing at the bottom they'd say hey dad Catch me. I had to tell him, make sure dad is looking before you do that. But I never dropped him. And Jesus will never drop you. Are you listening to me today? Would you stand to your feet this morning? How many believe you've heard the word of God this morning? Now, how many of you are going to do something about it? What's that, Pastor Ron? I want you to purpose in your heart from this day forward. I'm not going to ask you, and God would not ask you to do something silly, so let's start off where we're at. And let's each and every one of us in this congregation purpose in our heart to spend 30 minutes a day with God. Oh, Pastor Ron, 30 minutes? You spend that much time looking at commercials. Every half hour show has 10 minutes worth of commercials. Are you listening to me? 30 minutes of prayer a day will change your life. And by the way, you're not trying to change God's mind through prayer. Whose mind needs changing most of the time? Right? You want to change your mind so you can line up with the will of God. Somebody say, Praise the Lord. Colossians chapter 4, verse 2 says, Continue earnestly in prayer, always being vig- vigilant in it, and always with thanksgiving. Everybody say, Perseverance and persistence are a part of God's plan for my life. life. That goes back to last week. Amen? Well, I wasn't here last week. Well, shame on you. Get the tape. Bow your heads with me. Father, I've delivered the message that you've given me to deliver today. And Father, I pray this morning that every person here would receive what has been prayed, what has been given to you through prayer, through the anointing, I've delivered this message. Lord, I had to pray to receive it from you. And I pray for them now that they will accept it with an open heart and an open mind. And I pray, Lord, that it will begin to make a difference in their life and in this church. Because, Lord, I know in my heart of hearts that you want to do some great things in 2010 in this congregation. But Father, I know that it depends upon us doing what we are supposed to do as well. And I pray this prayer now in Jesus' name. If you're here this morning, first and foremost, before I dismiss, I will never dismiss a service here without asking if there's anyone that needs to receive Christ as their Savior and Lord. Is there one person here this morning would say, Pastor Ron, I've never prayed the prayer of confession and repentance or made a public profession of my faith and I would like to do that this morning. Would you raise your hand and I'll be more than glad to pray with you? Anybody? All of you have already said that you believe that this is a word from God. In closing, pray this prayer with me. Say, Father, in Jesus' name, give to me now according how much you possess, how much you love. And how much you mercy you have, how much grace you have, how much kindness you have, how much goodness you have, how much forgiveness you have. Give these to me today so that I can be what you've called me to be and so that you will be glorified. I pray this prayer now in Jesus' name, amen. I want you to remember one thing before I dismiss you with the blessing. You are the one that determines how much of the power of God flows through you. Amen. Bow your head for the blessing. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you. May he give you that peace that passes mortal understanding and fill each and every one of your lives with his unspeakable joy that is full of glory. I bless you now in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. You are dismissed.